Hey, you made it. There are so many things going on in the world today. You need to celebrate the fact that you took a moment to stop and listen to the word of God through this Heavenly Vision podcast. I'm sure God's going to speak to you in a way that will bless you. So let's get into it. We're already in the message that many of us have mastered the art of wordplay. And yet, and yet our heart is detached from the actions of our hands. And so this whole series of Honor Everyone is not just designed for you to render to other people what you think they need, but it's also designed to, to strengthen the bridge between your heart and God's heart. That's what honor really is about. From the foundation, God is trying to strengthen the bridge between your heart and his. However, the only way this bridge can find strength is if you can understand the people who need honor are not always the ones who are the most honorable. Okay. Jumped ahead. Jumped ahead. So I'm grateful to Bishop who has created this series. Who's been here all month hearing the honor series? Yes, okay, all right. For those of you who wasn't here this whole week, somebody say, y'all need to go listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. Go check on YouTube, check on the website, um, because I promise you, I think this is designed to shift our whole perspective and mindset. I'm grateful for Bishop and Lady K and the family who's also allowed me to present these resources that are designed to help you in your pursuit of honor. So if by chance you're a visitor or first time coming in and saying, is this a separate day? What is this whole book thing? No, really... <laughs> I realize that in order for you to master anything, you need additional resources that combat everything. Yeah. So in order for you to be able to master honor in your life, it's one thing to hear verbally someone preaching to you about honor, but sometimes we need shelf life. Bishop can attest the reason why he is able to pastor the way he pastors is not because he heard the greatest pastors preach, but he also saw some of the pastors write. Because there's some things that they scribe that they cannot communicate with their mouth. So listen, the reason why these books are available to you this day is to provide every single one of us resources, watch this, that leads us to honor and also eliminates excuses. Because whatever principles that you get from this month, God is going to hold all of us accountable to render greater responsibility. Are are you with me? This is bigger than, oh, I missed that month. No, if you was here this month, God now is going to hold you, Mike. He's going to hold me, Mike. He's going to hold y'all accountable and responsible from what you received. Are y'all with me? So, so this is almost the blessing and curse. Like, I came for, for, for honor month. <laughs> the blessing is God is going to give you grace to be honorable, but he's also going to put every single one of us in positions to render honor. Are y'all with me? So two resources real quick before we go into the message. Um, The first book uh, is Honorable Perseverance, uh, dealing with integrity, the pursuit of living a life of honor catered to men, but it's not limited to anybody. So if by chance you are a lady in this room, uh, you'll notice that the language is for men, but again, it's not limited to anybody. Uh, One of the main characters I I focus on in the book is Job. Who remembers Job? Okay, so here's the thing we learn about Job. Job is is not a man who was celebrated by what he had. Uh, he wasn't celebrated or ministered by what he owned. He wasn't celebrated, Jerry, even by uh, the followers who followed him. But the Bible says the reason why he was celebrated by God, hear me, is because he committed to be a man of honor. The Bible says that the Lord has a conversation with Satan, and the Lord says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? What does the Bible say? He's a man that is 
blameless, upright, one who fears God and shuns away from evil. Here it is, Kena. There is not a man like him on the earth. Not because of what was in his pocket, not because of how many people followed him, but because God looked at his heart and said, I see something I've never seen on this entire planet. Here's the principle. Many of us are so adamant or intentional in trying to get celebrated and recognized by people when the central aim of a Christian honorable pursuer, here it is, what is God telling the devil about you? We create a culture where we want fans. We create a culture that we want someone to, 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 to uh, replay or, or, or throw out what you posted, Diddy. But the real question is, what is God telling the devil about you? When, when, when God sees Michael's life on Monday through Saturday, what conversation would happen if, if, if Satan presented himself back to God? Is he going to really talk about he's a good preacher, a good teacher? He, he gives people a hug on Sundays? No. He's going to say, this is the type of man he is. <laughs> Have you considered my servant, Job? The Lord endorses his character, not his accumulated resources. Does that make sense? Let me show you one more thing, too. Um, if by chance you're in this room... And uh, your level of honor is not as strong as it needs to be. Maybe you have family members or you're in a relationship and someone doesn't really value your, 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 because you made some bad decisions or poor choices. If you're in this room and your level of honor is not where it needs to be, I want to encourage you that the way you build and rebuild your level of honor is through time and consistency. Are y'all with me? Honor, integrity, respect is produced over time but it is valued with consistency. Bad decisions, poor choices. As opposed to creating a standard, trying to fight people to see you the way you see yourself, consider if they don't see me the way I think I see myself, maybe I need to invest more time and be consistent with that standard of honor. Habits are formed how? Over time. Right? You create a habit. One of my major habits is inconsistency and procrastination. My wife will tell you that over time, I have been consistent with inconsistency. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any man in here who can be with me? Like, bruh, thank you. Come on, Dave, thank you. Thank you, tomorrow. I see you. I see you. I see you. Consistent inconsistently. However, yes, Lord, help us, Lord, today, today, help us. But here it is. The grace of God is this. Um, There is grace no matter what level of honor you're at. Whether you're at the bottom or the top, there's grace for all of us. You can build it and strengthen it and fortify it through time and consistency. So listen, after church, uh, we have digital copies. We were supposed to have physical copies today. Um, There's a term at our job called operator error. So one of the reasons why uh, we don't have the physical copies is half of it is operator error and the other one's because of technical difficulties. Amazon said we were supposed to have some copies to, uh, on Friday, but then they extended another week. And so if by chance it is your heart to pick up this book, we have digital copies immediately for download for $5. But if by chance you would like a physical copy, we will have that for you next week, and that is $10. Make sense? Praise God. Last resource as we go into the text, um, I've noticed that one of the many challenges of honor is found in our enslavement to unhealthy patterns. 
So for someone in this room, like a, a man, especially a man, um, I'm saying just men, but some of us, it's not that we don't want to be honorable, David. The problem is we set more precedence on unhealthy patterns than giving God the honor he deserves from us. Is there, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Bad decisions, poor choices. It's not that I don't want to please God. It's just that the unhealthy patterns that I have created in my past takes precedence of my desire to give God what I'm supposed to. That makes sense? So listen, that second resource, if that is you, there's some unhealthy patterns that you need to break. I share my testimony. It's called the fish hook and the bait. And um, I share my own personal testimonies about dealing with unhealthy patterns. And the beautiful thing about this resource is that uh, inside there is a download link. If by chance you're not a reader, we have an audio version. Anybody who just likes to listen while you're working out or walking? Okay, so this is available. You have an audio version of the book that's got sound effects and it's really dope. And uh, also there is a devotion. It's called 30 Questions, 30 Solutions on how to break some unhealthy patterns. So we'll be sharing that after church. So if y'all want to pick that, we'll be after church, all right? Amen. Amen. Let's get to our text. Thank you, Bishop. I appreciate you, Lady K. I love y'all so much. 1 Samuel 24, verses 1 through 7. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. First Samuel chapter 24, verse 1 through 7. Again, if this is your first time, welcome. We are currently going through a series called Honor Everyone. And uh, we are unpackaging what honor looks like. And prayerfully, by the remainder of this month, we are all going to apply the principles of honor so that we can be more honorable. First Samuel chapter 24, verse 1 through 7. If by chance you don't have it physically, we have it here on the, on the screen. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told to him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Next verse. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs, relieved himself. Uh, he had to go. We got it? <laughs> okay. Then the men of David said to him, that is David, said to David, this is the day of which the Lord says to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand. Real quick, if those are no context, Saul and David actually have beef. As a matter of fact, David didn't have beef with Saul. Saul had beef with David. And because Saul had beef with David, it victimized the ability for honor to be mutual. So now we almost have a one-sided approach when it comes to honor and respect. Are y'all seeing this? And so it's like being done dirty. And some of y'all can attest, when you've been done dirty, the next thought is, how can I reciprocate what was given to me? Y'all talk back to me, am I right? We're now planning, scheduling how in the world I can send that petty text. That petty post, that petty Instagram, right? That, that is the next stop when you're done dirty. When someone's trying to come at you, it's... So now we find David has the opportunity, Mom, to actually vindicate himself based on what was done to him. But watch how David responds. The Bible says that the people who are around David said to David, Behold, I, this is what the Lord said to you, David, uh, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. Green light, go ahead and cut him. Go for the jugular. Are y'all seeing this? 
The men were saying this. And David arose. He secretly cuts off the corner of Saul's robe. What is David doing? He is attacking the king with an attack of humiliation. This is the king at the time. And for me to cut the edge of your robe is saying is I could take you out if I want to. See, some of us, we consider that our ammunition of vindication is not always giving you what you deserve, but I'm giving you, a, I, I'm trying to humiliate you and realize that I had the power to do it. But notice what David does. After he cuts the robe, verse number five, it happened afterward that David's heart was troubled. Y'all see the span of time that David lived with that vindication? It wasn't very long, right? Verse number five, the Bible says that he comes in trouble because he had cut Saul's robe. He tried to attack the king. Verse number six. And he says to his men, <laughs> I love it. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him. Seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Verse seven is our inverse for this context. So David restrained his servants with these words. And did not allow anyone to rise up against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Okay, now I'm, I'm hoping that someone feels irritated because if you was in David's position, it would probably be a different reaction. Would you agree? So today we're going to talk on the subject, the power of honor. Take your seats. The power of honor. If by chance you're taking notes physically or mentally, I want you to put in parentheses the conviction of honor. The conviction of honor. Title is the power of honor, but we are going to continue this series of conviction of honor. So, Mama Petaway, uh, if we can be honest, um, if we look at the banner verse, which is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, uh, most of us will probably attest that we either should or shouldn't debate the importance of honor. Right? We, we, we've heard Minister Rodney lay foundation about the trajectory of honor. Heard Elder Tamiko talked about uh, honor, this kind of laying foundation, building more. So many of us are, should be in a place of, there should be a combating in your mind right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There should be some frustration, some tension in your mind because you know what you should give, but you cannot deny how you feel about it. The information I'm hearing, the words I'm seeing in Scripture, I got you, but if I can be honest... There's emotions that are combating that, that are fighting that. Minister Rodney, um, he told us about the trajectory of honor, which derives from a Greek word, tameo. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 3, you'll find that the verse says in the International Standard Version, honor widows who have no other family members who care for them. Now that word tameo, Pastor Kina, is actually the Greek word, it leads to means a fixed value. To estimate for the value of something. Now, Mr. Rodney, this is what messes me up. It almost suggests that you don't change the value of how you honor because it should be a fixed value. I'll give you an example. Me and my wife, we, uh, we, we have a fixed value of how much we owe on rent every month. <laughs> me and my wife, we have a fixed value of how much we pay for our cars. Many of you have monthly fixed values. Are y'all with me? So, so what if he's suggesting how you honor people should have a fixed value? He should, it shouldn't be adjusted just because someone did something you didn't like. 
fixed. Fixed. This is the total value of what is deserved. This is the total value that you should render. It should not be adjusted because you think that shouldn't equal to that. Elder Tomiko told us honor is a language, a lifestyle, and a discipline, which means the fixed value you afford to others should not be dictated by what they deserve, watch this, but what you are willing to render to them. Are y'all with me? So, 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 so if, uh, Justin, if you do me dirty, you did something that I don't like, the idea is I should not render dishonor to you just because the act was dishonorable to me. Because of my commitment to being an honorable man, there should be a fixed value of what I give to you despite how you treated me. Honor is not a package that you can edit just because you think someone deserves less than what God expects. It should be a fixed package. So the real question shouldn't be how much honor do they deserve? But the real question should be how much honor am I willing to offer them? And if you only honor respect, if you only offer honor, respect, and value to people that you like, then your honor is conditional and cannot be endorsed by God. Why is this? Because if you play favoritism with how you honor and who you honor, that doesn't represent God effectively. Just like you would never endorse an idea that doesn't represent your character. Neither does God's. Just like you wouldn't have someone call pulling a car with you if you know you got beef with them. Y'all with me? However, here's the grace of God. The grace of God is that for his namesake, God will always create an opportunity for you to grow in honor if you're willing to open for it. If you're willing to be open for it, open to it. He doesn't allow people to determine your max potential on honor. He doesn't allow people to determine how much you deserve just because you made a bad decision or a poor choice. So while some people will try to bring up your past as arsenal to infect your future, the beautiful thing about it is the way they see it is not how God sees it. So, the, so, so really, the impact should be us not trying to convince each other if we're honorable, but we ought to thank God that his perspective on you doesn't change no matter where you go. And if people have a problem valuing you, respecting you, or honoring you, the message should be with time and consistency. I'll find myself into a better place. There were seasons in my marriage where my wife had a problem trusting me because of some bad decisions and poor choices based on some addictions, some addictive behaviors. I realized the only way she could trust me and believe in my word after that implication is with time and consistency. But I could not demand my wife to render to me something I know I don't deserve. Yeah, I know. So he says, honor everyone. Secondly, he says, love the brethren. Be kind, be supportive, be affectionate, be gracious to the brethren. Render to them what you know God gives you. Because you know what you get from God is not what you deserve. Amen. What you get from God is what you need. 
and what you qualify for because he's love. Are y'all with me? The brethren should be loved, not just because they deserve it, but because they need it. Real quickly, gently tap your neighbor and say, I need love. Now, whether you believe it or not or want to say it, look back at them and say, I love you. And so does God. Now, let's try the next one. Tap them and say, I need love. And let them know, I love you. And so does God. Honor everyone. Love the brethren. And last but not least, Justin, what he says in the text, fear God. Fear, that word fear, the Greek word phobeo, which we get the English term phobia. But here's the thing. God doesn't want you to be fearful of him. But Peter suggests that we should have a sense of admiration, awestruck, and reverence for God. Here it is. Your admiration and reverence, unfortunately, last at the degree of your sense of awe. So prayerfully, someone's able to consider that maybe you've gotten a little too formal with God. Maybe we've gotten a little too, I'm looking for different terminology. If I wish I had a thesaurus, if you get what I'm saying. We're getting too familiar. What were you saying? Lax. There's a lax of perspective with God. And so Peter suggests that it's one thing to honor, respect, and value. It's one thing uh, to, to love the brethren. But when it comes to God, don't lose your sense of awestruck. The conviction to real that I give to God should come from a sense of reverence and awe. For someone, the reason why the Lord literally has to blow your mind every week is because he's trying to protect the sense of awe. Oh, I'm going to say this. Heavenly vision is in a season where God is restoring the awestruck. Because if God responded when you pushed a button, it would be conditional. But if you keep pushing the button and you start thinking the button is broke, then when you walk away and realize the Lord saw the first button, I didn't know you was listening. I didn't know you was watching. I didn't know you heard my prayer. And God says, that's what I'm after. Daniel, God is after the awestruck in your life. He wants to return you back to a sense of awe. Many of you are very gifted, talented, and wise beyond your years. That's beautiful. But without awe, you're going to be living with the life of awe. Wow. <laughs> so if we can be honest, this, this message would be done at this point. We, we started with honor everyone. I would love the brethren. Continue with fear God. This, in, a, in one sense, would be done if there wasn't one more thing. Honor the king. Honor the king. Because, because, Rodney, our sense of honor often hits a ceiling when you're forced to deal with dishonorable people. I know. I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. But, 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 but you have to understand, family, watch this. It's, it's one thing. It's one thing to make a demand that someone ought to show honor, the show love, show respect. However, demanding someone to give someone to someone and demanding, God, demanding someone 
to give something to someone they believe doesn't deserve it is a bigger problem. Our commitment to honor, as I said before, is that honoring everyone is one thing, but what do you do with dishonorable people? And in this context, the reason why I'm talking about king is because some of the most dishonorable people are often kings in our context. So listen, this is, no, this is not a bashing session. This is not a breakdown session. But let's be honest. The reason why it's hard to honor everyone is because our honor is conditioned by who was dishonorable. Now, let me put it this way. Let me expand the context. What if by chance, while the original context says honor the emperor, what if by chance in our context is the person in authority? Now we can get the whole room. Your teacher. Your boss. Your supervisor. Come on, y'all talk to me. Y'all manager. We're not just referring to the emperor who has judicial and jurisdiction authority, but we're also talking about everyone who also represents that position of authority. Am I I, I fighting with something? Y'all with me? Because the reality is the honor mama that we throw up top first follows the honor of the person right under them. A husband, a wife, the person of authority. What level of honor do you render to them? Question, what, what is the issue with kings and honor? Many of them, let's, let's deal with the reality, many of them abuse their power. Why dishonorable? Because they abuse their privileges and they abuse their freedom. You know how to witness in this room? Here it is, honor the king. The emperor represents not just your king, but again, represents the president, not just your boss, your teacher, some sort of tyrant in your life. Whether they're appointed, whether they're voted in, but I need y'all to understand that while they may be in position to exercise authority over you, it doesn't mean they should have influential power to determine what is produced from you. While someone is voted or trusted in a position to be an authority figure over you, they should, have not, they should not have the dictator powership to influence what is coming from you. And as a matter of fact, for some of you, the reason why God puts certain tyrants in certain positions is because he knows he could reap greater productivity from you from a dishonorable leader. If an honorable leader was in position, they would be able to say things and you always agree. But when a dishonorable leader says something that you don't agree, it combats what God is trying to produce. So we need a combination of both honor and dishonorable people. First Kings, second Kings, we find 70% of the kings did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. However, the judgment fell on the kings, but what about the people who still followed him? Did did y'all produce evil while he was in position? Where is the honor? At the bottom. While we want to emphasize the honor at the top. I got to say, as we go into this section, 1 Samuel, many of us, we say we're, we're, we're combating church hurt. The problem is you did not make honor a priority. Because whether somebody came to you with a spiritual knife or a gun, God won't let you die from it. 
And here's the beautiful part about it. Every single one of you who got a scar from your last place is only an opportunity for someone else's transformation. Someone's freedom. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of our testimony. Overcoming by the words of testimony. There is nothing to overcome without a test. And sometimes the test comes from an abusive leader. Saul is a king here stricken by an evil spirit. He uses jealousy for David as a weapon of vexation. Are y'all still with me? Bible says, Bishop Saul is vexed by this evil spirit, but here's the crazy part, sis. He's enslaved by his own jealousy. Some of us have gotten confused because we're looking at 1 Samuel 16, 18, 19. The Bible says the Lord sends an evil spirit to Saul. But here's the thing. It's not that, it's not that this brought joy. It's not that it brought God joy to see Saul tormented. Whether you're in a position of jealousy or somebody else, it's not that the Lord brings this, 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 this tool of tormentation for joy. I would suggest the text is implying that the Lord sends a prison cell for Saul. And what Saul experiences within the prison cell was all on him. Okay, let me take my time again. The Bible says an evil spirit is vexing King Saul and for those of you who know, King Saul is already jealous of David. I would suggest this evil spirit was a prison cell, and the experience that Saul has within the prison was on Saul. The beautiful thing about if God sends something that is problematic, he won't send it without the key to get out of it. If God sends you a prison cell, evil spirit, there's also a key to get out of it. If you're stuck in the same prison, that's not God's fault. That's your lack of submission to the process it takes to get out this thing. And the Bible says that he is vexed by the spirit, but he is jealous over David. He's in the prison cell, and he cannot even function without seeing through the lenses of jealousy. Someone in this room, you're looking for freedom. You're looking for liberation. You're looking for God to break you out of it. And God says, as opposed to focusing on the spirit... What are you producing while you're in the prison cell? What is coming from your life? What mindset or perspective have you adopted while you're trying to pursue a life of honor? Does this make sense to anybody? So here he is. He's in his prison cell. And the Bible says that uh, in this particular text in chapter 24, that uh, while Paul is vexed, he's fixed to hate for David. And he is searching for David to kill him. And David is on the run for his life from his boss. He's on the run for his life from his supervisor. He's on the run for his life from his manager. He's on the run for his life from his teacher, his man of authority, the president, while trying his hardest to honor the God he is supposed to represent. Are you seeing this? There is a journey that Paul, David is fighting with. It's one thing, it's easy to worship God when things are great. It's easy to worship God when you always get, it's easy. But what do you do when someone is pursuing your life and God is saying, I want your life? It's, it's easy to run chasing after God when it's just you. But it's a different story when someone else is on your heels. 
It's a different story when I always uh, I look around and I see problems. I see situations and circumstances. And it's hard to render God something when I'm being pursued by other things. But Kenan, look at the text and notice what David teaches us. Chapter 24, we land on three observations. I'm going to take my seat. David teaches us that if you and I are willing to embrace the power of honor, it can transform your perspective. Are you hearing me? These three observations, if you, four observations, if you are willing to submit to the power of honor, it can change your perspective. Point number one. Point number one, the power of honor can afford you, thank you, an audience creating an opportunity for you to leave a legacy of honor. The Bible says in verse number four through seven that David's men are with him, and they recognize that David had the opportunity to vindicate himself. Are y'all seeing this? Revenge. The Bible says that while the king is relieving himself, David has an opportunity to come at him. Again, he attacks him with an attack of humiliation, and the Bible says, who was with David? His men. An audience, Bishop, is formed around David to figure out how you're going to respond to a man who did you dirty. In your context, when, when you have an opportunity to, to cause revenge, people are trying to figure out your fellow employees, your, your family members, church family. They're trying to figure out just how you're going to treat them. Well, what, do you, what you got to say, Nisha, when, when they got your name in their mouth? What, what you got to do? The same audience who was there to see how you was treated will often show up to see how you plan to respond. I said the same audience. Anybody ever saw part one of a movie and thought it was really good and decided to come back for part two? Anybody ever stay for part seven just to see if there's a change in the series? The same, come on, y'all talk back to me. The same audience who were there for part one most likely will show up for part two. It's about to go down. Dishonorable treatment can create an opportunity to fortify what kind of legacy you plan to leave. This is why, parents, you have to be careful of how you act around your children. Because they will take your response as Bible. Natural or spiritual. So do not succumb to the moment, but consider the opportunity of that moment. Point number two. The power of honor can shift your disposition and give you a whole new way in how you deal with dishonor. Verse number eight, the Bible says that David got up, he went out of the cave, he calls out to the man who was dishonorable to him. David's commitment to honor didn't draw him to cuss him out, didn't draw him to disrespect him, but the Bible says that as soon as King Saul comes out, He says, majesty, and what does he do? He falls on his face. The power of honor brought David not to his knees, but to his face. His value of God brought him to honor a dishonorable king. It never was about Saul. It was about honoring God. You got it? 
I don't, listen, I don't know about y'all, but this is the type of conviction that I want. Where my mind and my heart cannot override my desire to honor God. And sometimes our anger and frustration steals our worship from God. But what if, family, if you allow the power of honor to shift your posture of your heart by which you show value to someone dishonorable because you are committed to honor God? Mark my words this week. Whoever has been dishonorable in your life will probably accentuate in that level of dishonor. But, but here's the beautiful thing. The opportunity of dishonor will be an opportunity for you to produce greater honor. Number three. Number three. The power of honor. Got two more and I'm out. The power of honor can help you manage the rhetoric of people trying to influence you to react instead of respond to dishonorable people. Listen, family, there's a difference between reacting and responding. Yes, it is. Bishop, hit my hand. How dare you? What are you doing? Hit me again. Are y'all seeing what's happening? My initial response is a reaction. Hit me again. It's okay. I'm sure it was a mistake. Okay. (laughs) It's all good. All right. I'm going to talk to you later, okay? I don't have to be fake just because he's being dishonorable. It just means sometimes you have to change your location to protect your level of honor. So to ensure, watch this, that I do not render to him what he gave to me, I walked away. Now the crazy part about it, I got to say this real quickly, watch this. Danielle, I want you to instigate while he's hitting me, okay? What? Now talk about me. I need a second louder. I am now sandwiched, Pastor Kina, with the act of dishonor and the instigation of dishonor. What do you do when you're sandwiched between the act of dishonor and the voice of dishonor of people that you honor? The Bible says, Minister Rodney, that these men came, verse number 10, uh, he tells Saul, I could have did this to you for what you've done to me. They told me to go back and render to you what you rendered to me. But my commitment to honor the God that I serve and his standards was greater over my life. So someone in this room, the way you shut the mouth of unqualified critics is by changing the posture of how you allow them to dictate what comes from your life. 
the power of honor will cause you to say, I love you, I thank you, but that's not where I'm at. I love you no matter what. It don't matter what you do to me because I know how God treats me. I understand you must, I don't know, I'm not going to say that. I love you anyways. I, I, I just bit my tongue. I love you anyways. That's the last time. I'm good. I love you, fam. David goes to Saul and says, I have to shut the mouth of the men so I would not render to you what they told me to give you. But the power of honor can help you manage the rhetoric of people trying to influence you to react instead of respond. And that's the last point as I go to my seat. Thank you, mister. Point number four. I pray that this one blesses every single one of you. (laughs) The power of honor can cause your enemies to be at peace with you, your future, whether they like it or not. The Bible says, I got I to gotta get this. The Bible says at verse number 20, the Bible says at verse number 20 that the king comes to David. And the Bible says, uh, where you at? You got to say this. Can you give me that verse number 20? Huh? Yeah. The Bible says in verse number 20 that King Saul, thank you. Now it happened when Saul had returned from, no, all the way, all the way, verse number 20. Verse number 20, I want to get this text. The Bible says in so many words, the Bible says, she gets to the text. The Bible says that King Saul, after David gives his confession to Saul, Saul looks back at David and says, now I realize why God's going to choose you to be the next king. Thank you. Now I know indeed, this is from King Saul, the dishonorable man, the manager, the teacher. He says, now indeed, you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established into your hand. It's not to suggest that he liked it, but he could not deny the power of honor that was on David's life. I want to encourage someone in this room who has been fighting with abuse from a manager, a teacher, or a position of authority. If you maintain your trajectory of being a man of honor, if you maintain your trajectory of being a woman of honor, the ones who have dishonored will have no other choice to be at peace with your future. Because the Bible says that he knows your future. He already has an expected end. And the end does not change just because their decisions do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your enemies, the ones who dishonor you, should not have the power to dictate, Jean, what comes from your life. It shouldn't dictate. It shouldn't influence because I promise you, your consistency and perseverance of living a life of honor, Dwayne, will create a truth they can't even fight. Are y'all seeing this in the text? They can't fight it. And the Bible even says again after this, Saul comes after David again. But even though he comes after David again, the truth still held true. You're going to replace me. You are my replacement. So what is my prayer? Sis, do you have that last, uh, the shift? This is, can you put that up real quickly? Grab your neighbor by the hand. 
And I'm going to pray very quickly as I pass on to Bishop. And I want us to maintain this perspective, okay? The power of honor can shift your plans on how you deal with dishonorable people. Number two, the power of honor can shift your perspective on how you see dishonorable people. And last but not least, the power of God can shift your posture on how you treat dishonorable people. But you must allow the conviction of honor to cause you to submit to the power of honor. So very quickly, in this moment, I'm going to ask if you all can be very selfless. I'm not going to belabor a lot of time. But my prayer is that we all enter into a new covenant of pursuing a life of honor. And the way we do that is we first have to pray that we submit to the power of honor. So be in prayer that God shifts their plans. I want y'all to pray for one minute that God shifts their perspective and that God shifts their posture. Everyone got their marching orders? Let's start praying for each other. Come on. Come on. Pray for a shifting in their life. May plans be shifted regardless of how dishonorable they've been. May someone's perspective be shifted no matter how dishonorable they've been. No matter the level of abuse, may God shift their posture that they will not render to them what was done to them. Come on, someone, this prayer can lead to healing if you allow it to. Shift in this room, God. Lord, we establish a new covenant in this room to live lives of honor. We will commit to the trajectory of honor. We will commit to allowing the power of honor to change our own thought process. Healing because of your life of an honorable perseverance. Father, I thank you in this moment that your word declares that two or three gathered together in your name, you be in the midst, also gathered as touching. So, Lord, you are here in this room. And, Lord, I'm believing, God, for a shift in our plans, a shift in our perspective, a shift in our posture. By the conclusion of this month, I'm believing, God, that this will be one of the most honorable churches in this region. We are committing to this new covenant, God, to allowing you to lead us and guide us. To not treat dishonorable people how they treated us. But Lord, to produce because we are committed to honoring you. We love you and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone give God praise in this room. Were you blessed by the message you just heard? If so, please leave a review so others can glean from the lessons you learned. And if you would like to help us continue ministry, feel free to give at hvcla.com. We love you, family.